0: I'm Evan Ackerman, and welcome to Chatbot, a robotics podcast from IEEE Spectrum. On this episode of Chatbot, we'll be talking with Monica Thomas and Amy LeViers about robots and dance. Monica Thomas is a dancer and choreographer. Monica has worked with Boston Dynamics to choreograph some of their robot videos in which Atlas, Spot, and even Handle dance to songs like Do You Love Me. The Do You Love Me? video has been viewed 37 million times, and if you haven't seen it yet, it's pretty amazing to see how these robots can move. Amy LeViers is the director of the Robotics, Automation, and Dance Lab, or Rad Lab, which she founded in 2015 as a professor in mechanical science and engineering at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. The Rad Lab is a collective for art making, commercialization, education, outreach, and research at the intersection of dance and robotics. And Amy's work explores the creative relationships between machines and humans as expressed through movement. So Monica, can you just tell me, I think people in the robotics field may not know who you are or or why you're on the podcast at this point so can you just describe how you initially got involved in Boston Dynamics?
1: Yeah so I got involved really casually. Um, I know people who work at Boston Dynamics and Mark Raybert their founder and head um, they'd been working on Spot and they added the arm to Spot and was kind of like I kind of think this could dance and they were like do you think this could dance and I was like it could definitely dance that definitely could do a lot of dancing and so we just started trying to figure out like can it move in a way that feels like dance to people watching it Um, and the first thing we made was Uptown Spot and it was really just like figuring out like moves that the robot does kind of already naturally. And and that's when they started developing, I think, Choreographer, their tool. But in terms of my thing, it was just, I was watching what the robot did as its normal patterns, like going up, going down, walking this place, different st- steps, different gates. What is interesting to me? What looks beautiful to me? What looks funny to me? And then imagining what else we could be doing considering like the angles of the joints. And then it just grew from there. And so once that one was out, Mark was like, what about the rest of the robots? Could they dance? Maybe we could do a dance with all of the robots. And I was like, we could definitely do a dance with all of the robots. Any shape can dance. So um, that's when we started working on what turned into Do You Love Me. I didn't really realize what a big deal it was until it came out and it went viral. And I was like, oh, can, are we allowed to swear? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, Yeah. So I was like, oh, (laughs) is this like I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to think about it. Like, uh, you know, as a performer, the largest audience I performed for in a day was like 700 people, which is a big audience um, as a live performer. So when you're hitting millions, it's just like it doesn't even make sense anymore. And yeah, so that was pretty mind boggling. And then also because of kind of how it was introduced, and because there is a whole world of choreo robotics, which I was not really aware of, because I was just doing my thing, um, then I realized, like, there's all of this work that's been happening that I couldn't reference, didn't know about, and conversations that were really important in the field, that I also was unaware of, and then suddenly was a part of. So I think um, doing work that has more viewership is really, it was a it was a trip and a half, is a trip and a half. I'm still learning about it. Does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, definitely. It's a long one to answer,
0: but. <laughs> and and Amy, so you have, have been working in these two disciplines for a long time in, in the disciplines of, of robotics and in dance. So how did you, what made you decide to combine these two things and why is that important?
2: Yeah, well, both things, I guess, in some way were have always been present in my life. I, I've danced since I was, you know, three probably. And my dad and all of his brothers and my grandparents, like my grandfathers were engineers. So I, um, uh, in some sense they were always there and it was really, um, I, th- I could tell you the date. I sometimes forget what it was, but it was a Thursday and I was taking classes in dance and, and, um, control of mechanical systems. And I was realizing this over, I mean, I don't think I'm combining them. I feel like they already kind of have this intersection that just exists. And I, I realized I stumbled into that intersection myself and I found lots of people working in it and I was, you know, Oh, my interests in both these fields, like kind of, kind of, um, reinforce one another in a way that's really exciting and interesting. I also happened to be, you know, an almost graduating, uh, I was the last class of my junior year of college. So I was thinking, what am I going to do with myself? Right? So I, uh, you know, it was, it was very happenstance in that way. And I, again, I I mean, I just felt like it it was like I walked into a room where all of a sudden a lot of things made sense to me and a lot of interests of mine um, were both present.
0: And can can you summarize, I guess, the importance here? Because I, I feel like, I'm sure this is something you've run into, is that it's easy for engineers or roboticists to be, I mean, honestly, a little bit dismissive of this idea that it's important for robots to have this expressivity so why is it important
2: that is a great question that i if i could like summarize what my life is like it's me on a computer going like this trying to like figure out the words to to answer that succinctly um but you know one way i might ask it um, earlier when we were talking you mentioned this idea of functional behavior versus expressive behavior which comes up a lot um, when we start thinking in this space and and I think one thing that happens and my training and, and background in in Laban movement analysis really emphasizes this duality between function and expression as opposed to you know the either or it's kind of like the mind-body split you know it, the idea that these things are one integrated, unit function and expression are an integrated unit. And something that is functional is really expressive. Something that is expressive is really functional. It
0: definitely answers the question. And and it looks like Monica was resonating with you a little bit. So I'm just going to get out of the way here. Amy, do you want to just start this conversation with Monica?
2: Sure, sure. Monica has already answered literally my first question. (laughs) So I'm like already having to shuffle a little bit. So, but but I'm going to rephrase. My first question was, can robots dance? Um, And I love how emphatically and beautifully you answered that with uh, any shape can dance. I think that's so beautiful. Um, That was a great answer. And I think, you know, it brings up, you can debate, is this dance or is this not? But there's also a way to look at any movement through the lens of dance. uh, And that includes, you know, factory robots that nobody ever sees, you know?
1: It's exciting. I mean, it is also, it's a really nice way to walk through the world. So I actually recommend it for everyone. Just like taking a time and like seeing the movement around you as dance, like allowing it to be, I don't know if it's allowing it to be intentional or just to like be special, meaningful, something. That's
2: a a really big challenge, particularly for an autonomous system. Um, But in for any moving system, I think that's, that's hard, artificial or not, I mean, it's hard for me. My family's coming into town this weekend. Yeah. I'm like, how do I act so that they know I love them, right? Like that's <laughs> oh, <laughs> dramatized version of, of real life, right? Is, is how do I be welcoming to my guests? And that'll mm-hmm. be, how do I move?
1: I also, I, what you're saying is a reminder of like, one of the things that I really enjoy watching robots move is that I'm allowed to project as much as I want to on them without taking away something from them. When you project too much on people, you lose the person, like, and that's not really fair. Um, but when you're projecting on objects, things that are objects, but that we, you know, personify, or like, not in personify, that we like um, anthropomorphize or whatever, it is just a projection of us, but it's acceptable. <laughs> like, so, so nice for it to be acceptable, like a place where you get to do that.
2: Well, okay, then can I ask my fourth question? <laughs> even though it's not my turn, because that's just too perfect to what it is, which is just, what did you learn about yourself working with these robots?
1: Uh, Well, I learned how much I love visually watching movement. Like I've always watched, but I don't think it was as clear to me how much I like movement. Um, like the work that I made was really about context. It was about like what's happening in society, what's happening in me as a person, but it wasn't, I never got into that school of dance that really spends time just really paying attention to movement or letting movement develop or explore, exploring movement. That wasn't what I was doing. And with robots, I was like, oh, but yeah, I get it like better now. I see it more now. I also just like, uh, so much in life right now for me is not—it's um, not contained and it doesn't have answers. Um, and translating movement from species across species from my body to a robot, like that does have answers. It has multiple answers. It's not like there's a yes and a no, but like you can answer a question, and it's so nice to answer questions sometimes. Like. <laughs> I've sat with this thing and here's something I feel like is an acceptable solution. Like, wow, that's rarity in life. So I love that about working with robots. Um, I mean, also they're cool, I think. And it is also, they're just cool. I mean, that's true too. Um, It's also interesting, I guess the last thing that I really loved and I didn't have much opportunity to do this or as much as you'd expect because of COVID is being in space with robots is really interesting. Just like being in space with anything that is different than your norm is, is notable. Being in space with an animal that you're not used to being with is notable. And, and there's just something really cool about being with something very different. Yeah. Um, and for me, robots are very different and not acclimatized. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay, Monica, you wanna ask a question or two?
1: Oh, yeah, I do. Um, My questions, the order of my questions is ruined also. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about the Rad Lab and I was wondering if there are guiding principles um, that you feel are really important in that interdisciplinary work that you're doing, um, and also any lessons, maybe from the other side, that are worth sharing.
2: The the usual way I describe it, it and describe my work more broadly it is, you know, I think there are a lot of roboticists that hire dancers and they make robots and those dancers help them. And there are a lot of dancers that they hire engineers and those engineers build something for them that they use inside of their work. And what I'm interested in and in the little litmus test or challenge I paint for myself and my collaborators is like, We want to be right right in between those two things right where where we are making something first of all we're treating each other as peers as as technical peers as artistic peers as you know if the robot moves on stage i mean that's choreography if the choreographer asks for the robot to move in a certain way that's robotics i mean that you know that's or that's the inflection point we want to be at um and so that means for example, in terms of crediting the work, we, we try to credit the creative contributions and, and, and not just like, oh, well, you did 10% of the creative contributions. like we, we really try to treat each other as co-artistic collaborators and co-technical developers. And so artists are on our papers and engineers are in our programs, to, to put it in that way. And, and likewise, that changes the questions we want to ask. We want to make something that pushes robotics just an inch further a millimeter further and we want to do something that pushes dance just a, you know an inch further a millimeter further we would love it if people would ask us is this dance we get is this robotics quite a lot so that makes me feel like we must be doing something interesting in robotics and every now and then i think we do something interesting for dance too and certainly my many of my collaborators do and and that inflection, that's just where I think is interesting. And I think that's where, that's the room I stumbled into is where we're asking those questions as opposed to, you know, just developing a robot and hiring someone to help us do that. And like, I mean, it, it can be hard in that environment that people feel like their expertise is being given to the other side. And then where am I expert? And what, you know, and we've had editors at publication venues say, well, this dancer can't be a co-author. And we've had, you know, venues of where we're working on the program and people say, well, no, this engineer isn't a performer, but I'm like, but he's queuing the robot. And if he messes up, then we all mess up. I mean, that's vulnerability too, you know? So we have those conversations that are really touchy and a little sensitive and a little, and so how do you create that space where people do feel safe and comfortable and, and valued and, and, um, attributed for their work and, and that they can make a track record and do this again in another project in another context. And, um, that, that's so I don't know if I've learned anything. I mean, I've learned that you just have to really talk about attribution all the time. Like I bring it up every time. And then I bring it up before we even think about writing a paper. And then I bring it up when we make the draft. And I, first thing I put in the draft is everybody's name in the order it's going to appear with the affiliations and with the, you know, any. subscripts on that don't get added at the last minute, you know, and when the editor of a very, very famous robotics venue says this person can't be a co-author, that person doesn't get taken off as a co-author. That person is a co-author and we figure out another way to make it work, you know, and so I think that's a learning or that's just a, a struggle anyway.
0: Monica, I'm, I'm curious if, if, uh, when you saw the, the Boston Dynamics videos go viral, what did you feel like there was much more of a focus on like the, the robots and the, the mechanical capabilities than there was on the choreography and the dance? And if so, how did, how did that make you feel?
1: Uh, yeah. So yes. Um, right. I'm used to when, when dances I've made have been reviewed, um, which I've always really appreciated. It has been about the dance. It's been about the choreography. And actually kind of going way back to what we were talking about a couple things ago, a lot of the reviews that you get around this are about people, their reactions, right? Because again, we can project so much onto robots. So I learned a lot about people, how people think about robots. There's a lot of like really overt themes and then there's like individual nuance. but yeah it wasn't really about the dance and so actually and it was in the middle of the pandemic too so there's like really high isolation i had no idea how people who cared about dance thought about it for a long time and then every once in a while i get one person here or one person there say something um so it's totally a totally weird experience (laughs) yes um the way that I took information about the dance um, was kind of paying attention to the affective experience, like the emotional experience that people had watching this. Uh, the dance was nothing, nothing in that dance was like, we used the structures of like the traditions of dance in it for, for intentional reason. Um, that I chose that uh, because I wasn't trying to alarm people or show people like ways that robots move that totally like hit some old part of our brain that makes us absolutely panicked. You know, like that wasn't, that wasn't my interest um, or the goal of that work. And honestly, at some point it'd be really interesting to explore what the robots can just do versus what I as a human feel comfortable seeing them do. But the, but the emotional response that people got told me a story about, um, what the dance was doing in a kind of back, in a backwards, place. also what the music's doing. Cause let's be real, like that music does, right? We, we stacked the deck. Mm-hmm. Um.
2: Yeah, that, and now that brings, I feel like that serves up two of my questions and I might let you pick which one we maybe we go to. I mean, one of my questions, I wrote down some of my favorite moments from the choreography that I thought we could discuss another question and maybe we can do both of these in series is a little bit about um, like I'll blush even just saying it um, and I'm so glad that the people can't see the blushing but also there's been so much nodding and I, I, I'm noticing that that won't be in the audio recording like we're nodding along to each other so much but um, the other side and you can just nod in a way that gives me <laughs> your res- the other question that comes up for that is like yeah like what is the monetary piece of this? And where are the power dynamics inside this? And where, how do you feel about how that sits now as that video continues to just you know, make its rounds on the internet and, and establish value for Boston Dynamics?
1: I would love to start with the first question and the second one is super important and maybe another day for that one if that that works okay that's fair i like that
2: i like that (laughs) so so the first question um so my favorite moments of the of the of the piece that you choreographed to do you love me for the boston dynamics robots um the swinging arms at the beginning where you don't fully know where this is going it looks so casual and so um Dare I say it natural, uh, although it's completely artificial, right? Um, And the the proximal rotation of the legs, like I I feel like it's a genius way of getting around no spine. But you really make use of like things that look like hip joints or shoulder joints um, as a way of like to me accessing like a good wriggle or a good um, juicy moment, and then the spot space hold, I call it, where, like, the head of the spot, you know, is is holding in place and then the robot wiggles around that, dances around that. And then the moment when you see all four complete, you know, these distinct bodies and it looks like they're dancing together. Um, And that, we touched on that earlier, any shape can dance, but making them all dance together I thought was really brilliant and effective in, in the work. So. It's one of those moments, like, super interesting. Or you have a funny story about, I thought we could talk about it further.
1: I have a funny story about the hip hip joints. Um, So, like, the initial, well, not the initial, but when they do the mashed potato, that was the first dance move that we started working on on Atlas. And for folks who don't know, the mashed potato is kind of the, the feet are going in and out, the knees are going in and out. So we ran into a couple of problems. Um which, and the twist, I guess it's a combo. Both of them like you to roll your feet on the ground, like rub. Um, and that friction was not good for the robots. So when we first started really moving into the twist, which has this torso twisting, the legs are twisting, the foot should be twisting on the floor. The foot is not twisting on the floor. And the legs were so turned out that the shape of the pelvic region looked like a overfull diaper. So it just, it, it had, it. It was like, I mean, it was wiggly, but like it made the robot look young. It made the robot look like it was in a diaper that needed to be changed. It did right. not look like a twist that anybody would want to do near anybody else. And it was really amazing. Like how, I mean, it was just hilarious to see it. And, and you know, the engineers come in, they're really seeing the movement. And I was, and um trying to figure out like what they need for the movement. And I was like, well. It looks like it has a very full diaper and they were like oh (laughs) like they knew it didn't like quite look right but it was like because they because I think they really don't project as much as I do like I'm very projective that's one of the ways that I've watched work or like you know you're pulling from the work that way but that's not what they were looking at and so yeah then you change the angles of like the legs how turned in it is and whatever and it resolved to a degree I think Fairly successfully, it doesn't really look like a diaper anymore, but um, that was really like, it, and also to get that move right took us over a month. Wow. wow. We got much faster after that because it was the first and we really like learned, but right. it took a month of programming, me coming in, naming specific ways of re-shifting it before we got a twist that felt natural. Mm -hmm. if you know amended because it's not the same way that
2: yeah well and it's it's fascinating to think about how to get it to look the same you know you had to change the way it did the movement is what i heard you describing there and i think that's so fascinating right and just just how distinct the morphologies between our body and any of these bodies even you know, the very facile human-ish looking atlas, um, that, that there's still a lot of like really nuanced and fine-grained and work-intensive, human work-intensive labor to go into getting that to look the same as, as what we all think of as the twist or the mashed potato.
1: Right, right, and it does need to be something that we can project those dances onto right. or it doesn't work.
2: Right, right.
1: In terms of this dance, right, could work in another one. Yeah.
2: Right, and you brought that up earlier too, of, of trying to work inside of some established uh, forms of dance as opposed to, you know, making us all um, t- terrified by the, the, the strange movement that can happen, which I think is interesting. And I hope, you know, one day you
1: get, you get to do that dance too. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally want to do that dance too. <laughs>
0: Monica, do you have one last question you want to ask?
1: I do, um, and this is, yeah. I want to ask you kind of what, what does embodied or like body-based intelligence offer in robotic engineering? Yeah. I feel like you more than anyone can speak to that because I don't do that side.
2: Well, so, uh, I mean, uh, I think it can bring a couple things. I mean, one, it can bring, I mean, the first moment in my like career or life that that calls up for me is I was watching one of my lab mates when I was a doctoral student um, give a talk about a quadruped robot that he was working on. And he was describing the crawling strategy, like the gate. And, and someone said, and, and I think it was roughly like, move the center of gravity inside the polygon of support and then pick up the, you know, the polygon of support formed by three of the legs and then pick up the fourth leg and move it, establish a new polygon of support, move the center of mass into that polygon, some, you know, something, you know, and it's described with these like figures, maybe there's a center of gravity, big uh, little, it's like a circle that's like a checkerboard You know, and there's like a triangle and there's these legs and then, you know, and someone like stands up and is like, that makes no sense like that. Why would you do that? And I'm like, oh, oh, I know, you know, oh, because that's some that's one of the ways you can crawl, you know, and like I get like I actually didn't get down on the floor and do it because I was not so outlandish at that point. But, you know, today in the Rad Lab, that would be everyone on all fours try this strategy out. Does it feel like a good idea? Are there other ideas that we would use to do this pattern that might be worth exploring here as well and so truly rolling around on the floor and moving your body and pretending to be a quadruped or which you know in my dance classes it 's a very common thing to practice crawling because we've all forget how to crawl. We want to crawl with the cross lateral pattern and the homolateral pattern and we wanna, you know, keep our butts down or keep the butts up, but like we want to have that optionality so that we look like we're facile, natural crawlers. Like we train that, right? And so for a quadruped robot talk and discussion, like I think there's a very literal way that an embodied exploration of the idea is a completely legitimate way to do research.
0: Yeah. And and that, that, I mean, Monica, this is what you were saying too, that that as you were working with these engineers, sometimes it sounded like they could tell that something wasn't quite right, but they didn't know how to describe it and they didn't know how to fix it because they didn't have that language and experience that that both of you have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Well, I just want to ask you each one more really quick question before we end here, um, which is that... What is your favorite fictional robot and why? I hope this isn't too difficult, especially since you both work with real robots. But, uh, Amy, you want to go first?
2: Oh, I mean, I'm going to feel like a party pooper. <laughs> I, I don't like any robots, real or fictional. <laughs> <laughs> Uh the fictional wow. ones annoy me because, because the fictional ones annoy me because of the disambiguation issue, mm-hmm. and you know, like, oh, you know Wally and Eva are so cute but and I do love cute things, but like are those machines or are those characters mm-hmm. and are we losing sight of that? Um, I mean my favorite robot to watch move this one this one i I mean I love the Keep On Dancing to Spoon. Yeah. Like that is something that if you if you don't if you're having like an off day, you google Keep On Dancing to Spoon. Keep On is like one word K E E P O N. Dancing to Spoon and you just you just bop. It's just a bop. I love it.
0: Yeah. That that
2: It's so simple and so pure and so right. It's
0: one of my favorite robots of all time, Monica. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's it's two little yellow balls like this and it just like goes up and down and like rocks back and forth but it does it so to music it just does it so well it's amazing um
1: i will definitely be watching that yeah and i should have i should
0: have expanded the question and now i will expand it because monica hasn't answered yet (laughs) favorite robot real or fictional
1: (laughs) so I don't know if it's my favorite this one breaks my heart and i have currently having like an empathy overdrive issue as a general like problem um but there's a robot installation and i should know its name but i don't where the robot reaches out and it grabs the oil that they've created it to leak and pulls it Mm -hmm. towards its body and it's been doing this for several years now but it's really slowing down now and um I don't think it even needs the oil i don't think it's a robot that uses oil it just thinks that it needs to keep it close and it used to like happy dance and the oil has gotten so dark and like the red rust color of like Mm -hmm. oh this is so morbid of blood but it just like breaks my heart so i think um do i think i love that robot and also want to like save it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, in like the really unhealthy way that we sometimes identify with yeah. things that we shouldn't be thinking about that
0: much. And you, yes. you both give, gave amazing answers to that question.
2: And the piece is Sun Yuan and Peng you know, and Peng Yu's Can't Help Myself. That's right, um, yeah. And it is so beautiful. I couldn't remember the, the artist's name either, but it is, you're right. It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah. Oh, It's beautiful. The movement is beautiful. It's beautifully considered as an art piece. And the robot is gorgeous and heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, Those those answers were so unexpected. And I just, I love that. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you both. And thank you for for being on this podcast. This was an amazing conversation. We didn't have nearly enough time. So we're gonna have to come back to so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: We've been talking with Monica Thomas and Amy LeViers about robots and dance, and thanks again to our guests for joining us. For Chatbot and IEEE Spectrum, I'm Evan Ackerman.